What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be giving you guys my Week 3 college football previews and predictions for Auburn, Penn State, Alabama going on the road to the Swamp to take on Florida, Cincinnati, Indiana, and Michigan State taking on the Miami Hurricanes. Now, if you are a new listener of the podcast, welcome Make sure that you go ahead, leave a five-star review down below if you enjoy this episode. Also, make sure that you follow me on my social media pages. My Instagram and Twitter is both JTSports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JTSports underscore. And lastly, if you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is JTSports. So... The first game that we have to dive into is a game that I am really excited to watch. We have Auburn going on the road to take on Penn State. This game is going to be this Saturday on ABC, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff. Penn State is going into this game as a six-point favorite. Now, one of the reasons why I'm really excited to watch this game is because I haven't really watched a lot of Auburn. Now, I know they have looked pretty good so far. They looked really good against Alabama State in the game prior, but this is the first true test for Auburn head coach Brian Harsons, who is in his first season as the head coach for Auburn football. And you have quarterback Bo Nix in this Auburn offense. And I'm really intrigued in seeing how this offense performs with Brian Harsons at the helm at head coach and with Bo Nix being kind of, you know, a little bit of a seasoned veteran, if you want to say that. And when you look at Brian Harsons, okay, I definitely do see a lot of improvement offensively from Auburn. And you can say, well, JT Auburn hasn't really played anybody. You know, they haven't really played any quality opponents at this point. And I will agree with that. But I definitely have seen a little bit of improvement in this offense, at least when it comes to the play calling. The play calling isn't as predictable as what it was with Gus Malzahn. So when you look at Brian Harsons, one thing that I love about Brian Harsons is how good he is with quarterbacks. He was really good with the quarterbacks that he had during his time as the OC for Boise State and when he was head coach for Boise State. And I think that Bo Nitz could make some tremendous improvements under head coach Brian Harsons. And this is going to be the game where if you're an Auburn fan, you're going to see just how improved is this offense and just how improved is Bo Nix. Now, Auburn has outscored their last two opponents by a combined score of 122 to 10. It's most likely to say that I don't expect Auburn to put up 60, 40 points on Penn State. Maybe they do put up 40 on Penn State, but I don't expect this offense to be as dominant against this Penn State team as it has been the previous couple of weeks, simply for the fact that This is a really good Penn State team. Now, Penn State has already been tested. They were tested really earlier, week one of the college football season, where they defeated Wisconsin in a very hard-fought game. And my question in this game is going to be, okay, Auburn is going on the road. How is Bo Nix going to look in this game? Because Bo Nix, when you look at how he's performed on the road against ranked opponents during his time as a starting quarterback for Auburn, he hasn't really been all that great. He has a 1-5 record against 
against ranked teams on the road. And I understand that, you know, win-loss record isn't a quarterback stat, is a team stat. But I think it's worth noting that Bo Nix hasn't really been all that great on the road so far during his career at Auburn. So I think that if Auburn is going to win this game, I think they're going to have to be able to give the ball to Tank Bigsby, the Tank and he's going to need at least 25 to 30 touches in this game. And on top of that, you're probably going to have to get Bo Nix involved in a running game also because I don't really know how effective this Auburn passing attack is going to be against a pretty solid Penn State secondary. So if Auburn okay, can get the run game going and you get Tank Bigsby going and Bo Nix has a little bit of an impact on the ground. I think Auburn has a pretty good chance to win this game. But if you're an Auburn fan, okay, JT, give me the alternative. What if Auburn can't get the run game going? What if Penn State comes in and they shut down Tank Bigsby and the Russian attack for Auburn? Well, then if you're an Auburn fan, then you have a huge problem on your hand because then that means that Bo Nix is going to have to have a big game. And I'm not saying that I don't think Bo Nix is capable of having a big game because he definitely is. He does have the talent there. The question is, okay, will he be able to do it? How confident on you and Bo Nix. And if you're an Auburn fan, on a scale of one through five, how confident would you be in Bo Nix if he had to throw the ball 30 times to win this game, one through five? I think on the scale of that, you probably would say two. I don't really think a lot of Auburn fans are going to be that confident in Bo Nix being able to carry this Auburn offense if he has to do it throwing the football from inside of the pocket because Bo Nix hasn't really improved that much as a passer. He has taken some steps in improvement, but he hasn't really improved all that much because we haven't really had a fair opportunity to see his improvement against a pretty good opponent so if you're a war eagle fan you're going to find out just how good this Auburn offense is in this game now when you look at Penn State against this Auburn defense Penn State has a lot of playmakers. You have Jahan Dotson. You have a lot of playmakers who can make things happen if they're able to get the ball in their hands. But the thing is, like I just said, can they get the ball in their hands? Because I don't really think Penn State's offensive line is all that great. And believe it or not, I actually like Auburn's defensive line a lot more than what a lot of people give it credit for. I think this Auburn defensive line is kind of underrated in a sense. And I feel like Auburn could definitely do some damage up front to a Penn State offensive line that hasn't really been all that great, okay? Like, they weren't really good against Wisconsin, even though Wisconsin has a pretty good defense, but they weren't really all that great in that game. So when I look at Penn State, I'm not questioning does Penn State have the playmakers on offense. I know that Penn State has the guys on offense who can make things happen. My thing is, do they have the offensive line that's going to be able to give Sean Clifford enough time to get the ball off to those playmakers. That's my biggest concern. Now for Auburn, this would be a huge win if you're able to pull it off for Brian Harsons because this is going to help you in recruiting. If you're able to go on the road 
and get a big time victory against a Penn State team that a lot of people are really high on that think they could end up being a dark horse to win. The, well, not even the dark horse. A lot of people think that Penn State could be the team that could knock off Ohio State and win the Big Ten championship this year. So if you're Auburn and you're Brian Harsons, if you're able to go on the road and get a win like this on the road, this would be momentous for not only your program, but this would be momentous for Brian Harsons on the recruiting trail because then you can use this to try to sell recruits to say, hey man, I know we're not, you know, on a level of Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, but we're definitely working towards this. Like this is a win that you could use to try to sell recruits. So when you look at Auburn, man, like this is a really big game. Now, if Auburn loses this game, then everybody's just going to be like, okay, like Auburn was supposed to lose. But for Penn State head coach, James Franklin, this is a really big game for him because if he loses this game, then oh my goodness, a lot of people are going to be really upset and a lot of people are going to look at James Franklin in a different light because right now, Penn State is really good right now when how their upcoming recruiting class is shaping up for 2022. So if James Franklin and Penn State can't pull off the victory in this game, man, like I think that a lot of people are going to be really upset with him. And I think he's going to have a lot of pressure moving forward if Penn State can't come away with the victory because a lot of Penn State fans expect to win this game. A lot of people expect Penn State to win this game. Is Penn State a better team than Auburn? They are, but I don't think it's by that big of a margin, at least when you look at the 2417 composite talent rankings, like there's not that big of a difference between Penn State and Auburn. So when you look at Auburn, like the talent's there, all that really matters is going to be, okay, how prepared is this team going to be in this game? And when you go back and you look at that Wisconsin game, Penn State didn't really play that well in that game. As a matter of fact, the Wisconsin gift wrapped you that game with all the turnovers that they had, especially with the miscommunication that they had inside of the red zone. So if you were playing a more disciplined or a Wisconsin team that was able to take care of the football, then you probably could have been on the losing end of that game. And I'm not taking anything away from that Penn State victory. Okay, it's a well-deserved win. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, I'm just saying that, you know, that was a hard fall game that could have easily went in Wisconsin's favor so I don't think that you know Penn State should be a sure lock to win this game it's like what a lot of people are trying to make it out to be like a lot of people make it seem like Auburn doesn't really stand a chance and a lot of Penn State fans don't really look all that concerned about Auburn like I went on the Bleach Report app because you know the Bleach Report app has like the little community tab for um, college football fans and stuff like that so they can post on like a little message board about how you know their thoughts on games and things like that And a lot of Penn State fans are kind of overlooking Auburn, in my opinion. I think a lot of people in the national media are kind of overlooking this Auburn team simply for the fact that a lot of people feel like Auburn is more of like a 6-7 win team that's kind of in a retooling phase right now. But I definitely feel like Auburn can win this game. As a matter of fact, Vegas has them as a six-point underdog in this game for a reason. If Penn State was such a good team as like what Penn State fans believe that they are and what a lot of people are trying to make it be, 
then I believe that Penn State probably should be a double-digit favorite to win this game, but they're not. They're only a favorite to win this game by single digits. So that tells you how Vegas feels about Penn State. Vegas feels like the gap between Auburn and Penn State maybe isn't as wide as what some of you guys may believe that it is, what some of the people in the national media may make it seem like, because this is only a single-digit point spread. So, I mean, Vegas believes that Auburn has a chance to keep this thing close, and that Auburn could pull off the upset, because if Penn State was just such a better team, then they probably would be a favorite to win this game by double digits, but they're only a single-digit favorite. So, if Penn State is going to win this game I think a good key would be getting Auburn into third and long situations and force Bo Nix and company to have to throw the football to move the chains because I don't really think that Auburn is equipped to win games where they just have to throw the football and I still don't really trust Bo Nix you guys already know how I feel about Bo Nix on this channel when Bo Nix had that big one against Oregon wasn't sold and I haven't really been sold on Bo Nix and I don't really have a lot of high expectations for Bo Nix not you know being disrespectful or anything but I'm just being honest you know I don't really think Bo Nix is just there as a passer yet so if Auburn's going to win this game Bo Nix is going to have to do it being able to extend plays he's going to have to be able to make some big throws but he's probably going to have to do a lot of things with his legs and being able to use his mobility as a factor so the team I'm going to take to win this game I'm going to take Penn State to win I think Penn State wins this game 27 to 17 is my final score prediction in this game um Penn State I don't think they're going to dominate Auburn in the fashion that a lot of people believe that they will. I don't think this is going to be a 42 to 3 occasion or 42 to 10 occasion. And a large reason for that is because I think that Brian Harsons is going to have this Auburn team ready. I think they're going to be prepared and I think they're going to be extremely well coached. So I think that Auburn is definitely going to hang around Penn State in this game and I think this is a game that's probably going to be decided in the fourth quarter now Auburn's rushing attack if they can get that thing going then I definitely think that Auburn can definitely win this game but overall I think Penn State if this team is going to you know be able to win this game I think they're going to be able to you know kind of neutralize the Auburn rushing attack or if anything force Auburn to have to make some plays throwing the football and I simply don't think that Bo is going to be able to do that I don't really think the passing attack is going to deliver so I'm going to take Penn State to win this game you guys let me know if you guys are watching this down on YouTube down in the comment section down below who you have winning this game in the comment section the next game that we have to talk about, my game of the week, we have Alabama currently ranked the number one team in the nation going on the road to the swamp to take on Florida who currently is ranked number 11. This game is slated to take place on CBS with a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Alabama is going into this game as a 15 and a half point favorite. Now, when you look at Florida in this game, obviously, a lot of people don't think Florida is going to win this game. So, okay, outside of me telling you Florida doesn't have a chance, you should be asking me, JT, what can Florida do to win this game? And I'm going to tell you, 
As a matter of fact, I think that Florida has a big disadvantage and a big advantage going into this game against Alabama that could kind of decide how this game goes. And that big advantage slash disadvantage that they have going into this game against Alabama is the fact that they currently are in a quarterback controversy per se. Now, you have Emory Jones and you have Anthony Richardson. Now, Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones have kind of like split snaps. They both have gotten significant playing time between the FAU opener for Florida and last week's win against USF. Well, Dan Mullen is still rolling with Emory Jones as the starter. Emory Jones hasn't really played all that great so far. Anthony Richardson, on the other hand, has came behind Emory Jones in a couple of snaps. And when he's been in, he's been fairly impressive. And I think that this is going to be a big game in terms of determining who's going to be the starting quarterback for Florida moving forward for the rest of the year. But I think that having this two-quarterback system is kind of of an advantage for Florida because one, if you're Nick Saban and you're Alabama, you have to prep for both Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. So when you're Alabama and you're Nick Saban, you don't really know what to expect. And it's not like Florida only brings Anthony Richardson in on running plays. So if you're a Bama fan, you're going to say Anthony Richardson, when he comes in, it's pretty obvious what Florida's going to do. They're going to run the football. That's wrong because Anthony Richardson also comes in there and he's he's throwing the football son Dan Mullen is really smart with how he's using this two quarterback system is really effective because in any one of these quarterbacks are a threat to take it to the house with their legs and any one of these quarterbacks could gash you through the air in the passing game so Dan Mullen is really strategic with how he's going about this quarterback system with these two quarterbacks but my biggest concern about this and that goes to the disadvantage that I have to talk about is I really feel like if Dan Mullen has to continue to rotate these two quarterbacks in throughout the game that is going to cost Florida because you're not really going to have a quarterback who's going to be able to get in rhythm his timing is going to be off you're going to kind of ruin the chemistry and nobody's really going to be able to get things going and I think I saw that happen in that FAU game so Anthony Richardson came in for a drive he got Florida into the red zone I believe he had to come out because his helmet came off so Emory Jones came in and he ended up throwing the interception in the red zone against FAU in the season opener and I believe the reason for that was simply for the fact that Emory Jones had to come in you know he wasn't really able to get in rhythm the chemistry was kind of off so you know that kind of affected his decision making in that play now that doesn't excuse Emory Jones for throwing the interception I'm just saying that in a game like this against a great Alabama team I I simply feel like, yeah, you will have the advantage because people don't really know what to expect out of these two QBs because you pretty much could do anything. But at the same time, you know, I really feel like this could be a disadvantage because these two quarterbacks will never really be able to get into a groove if Dan Mullen keeps on rotating these guys in. And I think that Dan Mullen understands that. And I think he's really banking on Emory Jones coming in and really showing us that he is a veteran because Emory Jones has kind of been playing like he's a you know a true freshman quarterback or like he's a first year starter which he is a first year starter but remember that Emory Jones has been in this Florida football program for a good amount of time for over the last couple of years so he should really know the system some of the mistakes he's making shouldn't really be made because you know the experience that he kind of has knowing this Florida offense so I really feel like 
if Emory Jones struggles early, then Dan Muller can definitely bring Anthony Richardson in. And Anthony Richardson, I think if you guys saw my previous video about this quarterback controversy for Florida, I definitely feel like it's only a matter of time before Anthony Richardson ends up taking over because every time Anthony Richardson is in the game, he makes plays. He only threw three passes last week against USF, and his first two went for touchdowns. He also had an 80-yard touchdown run. It's just something really special about Anthony Richardson, and I love Emory Jones a lot. But I really feel like, you know, this is a game that he definitely has to come and he has to play well. And we've really yet to seen it yet during the USF game and the FAU games. He hasn't really looked all that well. So, I mean... I don't really know, but I really feel like there's an advantage to this quarterback controversy with this two QB system that Florida has with the fact that Alabama is kind of going to have to prepare for both QBs. And then on top of that, you don't really know what to expect when, when both these two QBs are in the game. Now, Florida needs to play flawless if they're going to be able to pull off the upset win. They're going to have to be able to win the turnover battle against Alabama. And also, they're going to have to commit less penalties to Alabama to win this game also because Alabama is a machine right now. And I promise you, Florida fans, that this is not the same Alabama defense that you were able to put 40 on in the SEC championship game last year. This is an Alabama defense that has the second best defensive line in all of college football behind Georgia. This is a great defense that has a lot of talent that is going to be playing on Sundays. That's going to be future first round picks. And I wonder if Florida's offensive line is going to be able to hold up against Alabama's front seven because we saw what Alabama's front seven did to Miami week one and yeah you're a better team than Miami but at the same time Florida's off the line I still feel like it's a little bit of a slight question mark it just hasn't really been exploited because you haven't really had a team that you've played yet that has had the talent to test your offensive line and while we're talking about tests this is going to be the first true test to see how improved Todd Grant Grantham's defense is this year against the run in the past. We know Todd Grantham's defense had a lot of issues last year, so I want to see how this defense is going to look against our Alabama offense that pretty much has picked up from where they left off last year with Bryce Young. So when you look at this Florida defense, how's the secondary going to match up against these wide receivers like John Mechie? Is Florida going to be able to get pressure on Bryce Young? Because Bryce Young is really good on the pressure. As a matter of fact, I think that he's better under pressure than what he is when he's not pressured, which may be crazy to say, but it's really true in my opinion. On top of that, he's incredibly hard to get down. Like, he's really elusive, and you may not expect somebody to be so nimble when breaking tackles or breaking out of sacks for his size because I believe he's only 5'11", like 197 pounds or 200 pounds or something like that that so he's not the biggest guy in the world but he's incredibly shifty he's incredibly quick and elusive he's hard to bring down so I wonder how good Florida's defense is going to be I know Florida has a really good defensive line but my question is can that secondary um how they going to perform and how will these linebackers be now Florida okay can they stay committed 
to the run game. I think Florida's offense is at its best when they're being balanced, when they're able to run the football. And yes, they can run the football. I know last year they were so dominant through the air, but they weren't really all that great running the football. I feel like this year, if Dan Mullen stays committed to the run game, this Florida run game could be incredibly good, especially when you have the threat of Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson in that QB. So you have to account for that. You didn't really have to account for that last year if you were on defense playing against Florida because Kyle Trask wasn't really a great athlete. So when you look at the threat of having two quarterbacks who are great dual threat quarterbacks who can take it to the house with their legs, you have to account for that. So then that can open up running lanes for the running backs and Florida has a really deep group of running backs. As a matter of fact, one of the more underrated running back rooms and the SEC right now. So for Florida, if Dan Mullen can stay committed to the run game, because I do believe that Florida can have some success running the football on Alabama. I just feel like they have to stay committed to it. I noticed that when Florida struggles on offense at times this season, it has been stretches during the games where they just try to throw the ball too much instead of just trying to run the football. So if you're Florida, I think that is really important that they stay committed to this run game because I really feel like Florida's offense is at its best when they're running the football. And yes, they can run the football. And yes, I do believe that they can have success running the football on Alabama. Now, if you're an Alabama fan, you got to look at Bryce Young. We know he's played well over the last two weeks. We know he played really well in the season opener against Miami. But this is going to be his first game starting on the road. And this is going to be a really hostile destination. The Swamp is going to be packed. I already know a couple of friends who are going to the game. It's going to be loud. How's the crowd noise going to affect Bryce Young? Could Bryce Young get rattled by the Florida crowd early? I'm really intrigued in seeing how Bryce Young fares in this game because Bryce Young kind of handles himself like he's a veteran. You know, he's a redshirt freshman, but it kind of looks like he's a senior with how he handled things last week and the week before against Miami well I want to see how he handles himself in a really hostile environment in the swamp which is a really tough place to play so when I look at this Florida two quarterback system if you're Alabama and you're Alabama fan how do you prepare for this if you're Nick Saban well I think if you're Nick Saban really and truly like Okay, like, there's nothing really that you can do to prepare for it, really. All you really can do is just kind of, you know, just test things out when the game happens and then make adjustments from there because Alabama can prepare all they want to for it. But I really think that what separates Nick Saban from the rest of the coaches and college football is the fact that how good he is at making in-game adjustments. So Alabama could prepare all week for this two QB system for Florida and still kind of, you know, struggle out the gate against it. I think it's really going to come down to the in-game adjustments that they're going to be able to make. But if you're Nick Saban, really, you just have to just play your game honestly, because I really feel like this two quarterback system for Florida is definitely going to cause Florida to kind of be at a disadvantage at some point during this game, because eventually, you know, running these Q, Q, one of these QBs is going to end up being hot or cold. So if you're Dan Mullen, you're going to have to try to figure out which one of these QBs is going to be that hot man and who's going to end up being the guy who kind of doesn't really need to get a lot of snaps in this game. Is that going to be Emory Jones or is that Anthony Richardson? So if you're 
Nick Saban, really, honestly, I mean, you just have to play your game. You know your front seven is really good. You know your front seven is going to be able to get pressure on the QB. And Anthony Richardson is really special. So, of course, you're going to have to have something in place in terms of him coming in. But overall, I really feel like this just isn't something that you can just strategically prepare for before the game when you have something like this because... Florida, they're not really predictable when you have both Anthony Richardson or Emory Jones rotating in because they can do pretty much the same thing. So you don't really have that advantage of like, say, for example, Florida State. Every time Florida State puts in Jordan Travis, they run the football. They never really do anything innovative after that. They don't really try to switch it up. This isn't a situation like that. Dan Mullen is being really savvy with this, which is why I think this could be a slight advantage. But overall, when you're rotating in these two QBs, you're going to have bad chemistry and you're going to kind of ruin timing and things like that. So if you're Nick Saban, that you're kind of, you know, waiting to see if that's going to happen. That probably will happen when you have a really good Alabama defense so that's really going to throw things off so for Nick Saban you know he's probably going to have to make adjustments in-game adjustments during the game when Florida ends up rotating both Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson but overall I'm going to take Alabama to win this game I think Alabama wins this game 38 to 20 I do believe Florida will score some points early, but at the end of the day, I really feel like Florida really needs to come into this game and kind of figure out who their quarterback is, because I really feel like rotating in Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson isn't going to be as effective against Alabama like it was against USF and FAU, simply for the fact that Auburn, that Alabama has a really good defense, a really talented defense, and I really feel like this really isn't the defense that you kind of want to be trying to experiment things and try to get guys experience. I know that's what Dan Mullen has been trying to say. He's been trying to get Anthony Richardson experience and things like that. But I think that's a load of malarkey. Like, I think he's just trying to figure out which QB is going to pull themselves away. And I kind of feel like Anthony Richardson has been pulling himself away, but he's not starting in this game. Emory Jones has already been announced as starter like a couple hours after USF game. So I want to see how Emory Jones is going to look in this game. Because if we end up seeing Anthony Richardson in then I don't really think that's going to end up being a good sign if Anthony Richardson comes in and he ends up taking over for the rest of the game because that means that Emory Jones has probably had a couple of turnovers. And trust me, against this Alabama offense, I don't really think that Florida wants to give Alabama any free extra possessions, especially when we don't really know just how good Florida's offense is. So I'm taking Alabama to win. I think they're going to win 38-20. to I don't really see Florida's defense getting any stops in this game. Honestly, I just think that Alabama offense is just so doggone good and so doggone dominant and I also feel like Alabama is going to be able to get a couple of takeaways in this game also so I'm taking Alabama to get the win on the road in the swamp gotta get a drink of water real quick before I move on to these last two games Okay, so the third game we have to talk about, a game that I have been waiting all offseason to watch, one of my most anticipated matchups of this year, we have Cincinnati ranked number 8th going on the road to take on the Indiana Hoosiers, Cincinnati, the Bearcats enter this game as a 3 point favorite, this game is going to be played on ESPN 12pm Eastern Time kickoff this Saturday. 
This is it. If you are a Bearcats fan, this is your test to see how you fare against a really good Indiana team. Now, Cincinnati is 2-0. They haven't really played anybody good. Week 1, they played Miami of Ohio, and they played Murray State last week. They beat them 42-7. Now, for Indiana... You still have a bitter taste in your mouth after the smackdown that you got by Iowa week one. Uh, Michael Pennis didn't look good in that game. He had three interceptions. It just wasn't a good showing from Indiana. But I'm still very high on this Indiana team. I still believe that Indiana will be a top 25 team by the end of this year. I just feel like they kind of weren't really all that prepared. They kind of suffered from the week one jitters or the week one rust. But they did look pretty good against Idaho even though I know it's Idaho they're not really good or anything like that but you know that's a really important game because that's kind of your bounce back game when you try to get some momentum and you build some confidence in now for me the game the season starts now for Cincinnati okay because Cincinnati is out to prove to everybody that they are one of the best teams in college football and I believe that this Cincinnati team is the best G5 school that I've seen since 2011 Boise State I believe that this has been the best G5 team put on the field in a very long time this is a Cincinnati team that is really good up front on both sides they have one of the best secondaries in all of college football when it comes to their two standout corners like I really like this Cincinnati football team a lot now when you look at Indiana Indiana has a really good secondary I think that Indiana has the best secondary in the Big Ten There's a lot of talent and there's a lot of experience for Indiana in that secondary. Now, Michael Penix. Has Michael Penix fully recovered from the awful showing that he had against Iowa? Because one of the biggest... Um, question that everybody had after week one was what the hell happened to Michael Penix now I can tell you what happened you know Michael Penix was kind of still recovering from that season ending injury that he had last year and you know he kind of came out a little bit rusty I think that's what that was against Iowa he came out really rusty and Iowa had a really good defense Iowa had a lot of turnovers in that game and Indiana pretty much gift wrapped that game to Iowa I think the defense played pretty well it's just the fact that what can you do when your offense chokes it up three times so how is Michael Penix going to look in this game going against a team that also has a really good defense is he going to have another showing that he had against Iowa or is he going to be the Michael Penix that ended up becoming a superstar that everybody considered a superstar last year when Indiana went on their Cinderella run in 2020 also how will Indiana's offense look against this good Bearcats defense now Indiana was pretty successful running the football last week they had 179 rushing yards as a team Stephen Carr led the way with 22 carries for 118 rushing yards 5.4 yards per attempt and one touchdown one thing that Indiana didn't have last year on offense was a rain game if you were expecting Indiana to run the football then you were getting your hopes let down because this team couldn't run the football for jack nothing anything last year now this year Okay, hopefully the rain game can be balanced. And if Indiana is going to beat Cincinnati, I think they're going to have to be able to do it, you know, being balanced because this is a very good Cincinnati Bearcats secondary. Not saying that Indiana can't beat 
can't beat Cincinnati throwing the football if they have to lean towards a all-out air raid attack because they definitely do have the wide receivers to do so. But I think that Indiana wants to keep things balanced and they should keep things balanced because I think that's where Indiana could find themselves in a lot of trouble because I really like this Cincinnati secondary against Indiana's wide receiving core. Indiana does have some guys at wide receiver, but at the end of the day, this is one of the better secondaries in all of college football that Cincinnati has in my opinion so in this game I really think that it's really important for Indiana to be balanced not saying Indiana can't win this game they have to do a throw on the football I definitely feel like they can but we still don't know what Michael Penix we're going to get are we going to get the Michael Penix of 2020 or are we going to get the Michael Penix that we saw against Iowa now you look at Desmond Ritter okay not in a similar situation, but kind of in a similar situation in the sense that he's going against a really good Indiana secondary that's really aggressive and they're ball hawks. Everybody in that Indiana secondary is really good at taking the ball away. So if you're Desmond Ritter, okay, how good is he going to be? Because everybody has been talking about Desmond Ritter. A lot of people want to say that he's going to end up being a top 10 pick in next year's draft of how well he's played. But I mean, he hasn't really played anybody really. He hasn't really been tested. So this is the game that we're going to look back and we're going to decide just how good is Desmond Ritter really. Has Desmond Ritter really improved as a passer in this game because he's going to get tested against this stout secondary of Indiana. Now, for me personally, I really feel like Cincinnati is the better team in this situation. But even then, I don't really think that the gap is all that large, okay? And that's why I'm saying, like, I feel like this is a real, a really big game for Cincinnati to prove to a lot of people in America that they have what it takes to be one of the best teams in America because you're going on the road. Cincinnati hasn't really been tested on the road this year. So you're going on the road to a hostile Indiana Hoosiers stadium that's going to be probably loud. It's probably going to be sold out. So I want to see how... How is Cincinnati going to prepare for the crowd noise? How are they going to look? Are they going to have communication issues? What's going to happen? But when I look at this game, I think this game is first going to be decided on what both these two teams are able to do inside of the red zone. Okay, which team is going to end up being able to come away with touchdowns in the red zone and which team is going to be able to come away with field goals in the red zone? I think that's going to be really big. When you look at Indiana, are they going to be able to generate some big explosive plays in the passing game? Because I haven't really seen it this year. I haven't really seen any big explosive passing plays like how they had last year. So I want to see are they going to be able to have those explosive plays against the Cincinnati Bearcats secondary. Now for Desmond Ritter, you got to be able to use your mobility is Cincinnati going to be able to win this game? Okay, you're going to have to be able to use your legs and you're going to have to show everybody why you're one of the best dual threat QBs in the country against this Indiana Hoosiers defense, which I don't really think is being, you know, really looked at fairly. This should be one of the better defenses in college football this year. Indiana should have a top 20 defense. You know, they have pretty good talent at linebacker. You do have some slight questions up front when it comes to, you know, how effective can they be when it comes to getting pressure on the quarterback. But overall, this is a really solid defense. So can Desmond Ritter take over this game? So even then, 
for Indiana, can you be effective on third down? Can you be able to keep the drive alive on third down? That's another issue that I have with Indiana. I feel like if Indiana gets into third and long situations, that's kind of the reason why they could struggle. I feel like if they can get into third and three, third and four situations where they have opportunity to run the football, that can improve their chances on third down. Overall, the team I'm going to take to win this game. I'm going to take Cincinnati to win this game. I think this game should be a pretty competitive. I think that Cincinnati's going to win this one 34 to 30. I think both these two teams are going to put some points up on the board. I think this probably is going to be a pretty back-and-forth occasion when we see one team take the lead, then a team come back the next drive and retake over the lead. I think that Cincinnati is going to be able to pull this win out. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be an easy win, but I'm rolling with Luke Fickle and the Bearcats to get the win on the road against Indiana. Now, the last game that I have to talk about, we have Michigan State going on the road to take on the Miami Hurricanes. Now, despite me being a Miami Hurricanes fan, this was not a game that I planned on talking about, but I really only had two options to pick from other than this game. It was either Virginia Tech and West Virginia or Nebraska taking on Oklahoma What's really interesting is seeing West Virginia take on Virginia Tech. No offense to those two teams if you're watching, if you're a fan of one of those two teams, but didn't really have a lot of interest in talking about that game. And I think that Nebraska and Oklahoma is probably going to be a murder. So this was the fourth game that I wanted to talk about. And I am a Miami Hurricane fan. I do have a good amount of Miami Hurricane subscribers on the channel. You guys are pretty loyal. And you guys love to hear my thoughts on the Miami Hurricanes. So I said, hell, I might as well go ahead. And I do want to upload more Miami Hurricanes content. So here it goes. So Miami is a six and a half point favorite in this game. Surprise, surprise. Because I'm extremely surprised that Miami's a favorite to win this game. Because I thought Miami probably would be a one point favorite or maybe an underdog. And Manny Diaz, I think that this is a really big game for him because I know over the last couple of weeks, uh, after Miami got blown out by Alabama, I said that that game is not going to define Manny Diaz and this Miami Hurricanes team. What Miami does against ACC opponents is going to define, you know, Manny Diaz and kind of how we're going to perceive him. But I'm kind of changing on that. I feel like this game kind of is a big test to see, you know, where Miami and this team is at. Because you're facing a Michigan State team that right now has a lot of momentum. A lot of Spartan fans are really excited. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of Michigan State fans that are really confident that Michigan State can win this game as they should be. Mel Tucker has done a really good job with this Michigan State program so far. I think he's a really good head coach despite, you know, everything that went on with the whole Colorado situation but this Mel Tucker coach team is going to be prepared my question is is Manny Diaz going to have this Miami Hurricanes team prepared because Miami hasn't really looked prepared you know I gave Miami I didn't really I didn't really give Manny Diaz a pass against Alabama you know I was disappointed because I thought Miami would be able to keep it close 
But against Appalachian State, barely scraping by by two points, it's just really disappointing because this is, in my opinion, the most talented team that Miami has had in decades. And I stand by that statement. A lot of Miami Hurricanes fans constantly ask me, JT, do you still feel like this is the most talented Hurricanes team? Yes, I freaking do. The problem is that although Miami is super talented, and yes, Miami is more talented than Appalachian State, and is Miami more talented than Michigan State? Yes, they are. At the end of the day, people have to realize that in college football, talent doesn't win games all the time. At the end of the day, if you have a talented football team and they're struggling and they're coming up short, you want to know what the main reason for that is? It's because of coaching. And you look at Manny Diaz, the reason why Miami wasn't able to be competitive against Alabama wasn't simply for the fact that it was Alabama. It was also from the fact that, you know, Miami wasn't really that co- well coached in that game by Manny Diaz. There were a lot of missed tackles. Like, I can understand a team coming in there and flat out just being better than you. And Alabama was better than Miami in some sense. But at the same time, there were a lot of things that happened due to lack of preparation. And at the same time, when you go back and you look at that Alabama game, you know, Miami's play calling was really questionable. They played really scared in that game. It's been really conservative. And Miami's offense has been fairly conservative so far this year, which I'm really surprised. Like, they're doing a lot of bubble screens, you know, a lot of, like, my guy, um, in the... NMD TV Kane said make sure that you guys go ahead and check my brother out man they don't really try to push the ball downfield I don't really understand why they're not trying to push the ball vertically I mean what's the point of going down and getting Charleston Rambo in the transfer portal if you're not going to try to use them like Miami should be trying to stretch the field more than what they have done and so far everything's been pretty conservative but also I'm not going to blame everything on the coaching staff because the Eric King and I know a lot of you Hurricanes fans are about to hate what I'm about to say but I'm about to be God honest with you the Eric King hasn't played good the Eric King has played like shit the last couple of weeks and I know everybody loves the Eric King he's the heart and soul he's the heartbeat of this Hurricanes team but I'm just being honest with you and you can blame the offensive line this the offensive line that at the end of the day there have been several plays when the Eric King has made the wrong reads you know on RPOs he hasn't really been making good decisions there he hasn't really been making good decisions when it comes to throwing the football and you can blame the offensive line but at the end of the day we have to stop cutting excuses for players that we like okay we can like Derry King and we can love Derry King all we want to but at the end of the day we still have to fairly assess these players because I see a lot of Hurricanes fans going on Twitter and always calling out this guy calling out the linebackers calling out this guy calling out this guy but it's not fair if we're going to call out those guys, we have to be able to call out Derry King, despite how much we love Derry King and how much we like Derry King, we still have to criticize him just as much as we criticize all the other players, biases aside. So when you look at Derry King, Derry King definitely hasn't played like the quarterback that he was last year. I'm just saying. It's not all on, it's not all on De'Ara King. I'm not saying it's all on De'Ara King. Great Lashley hasn't really been doing a good job so far. The team as a whole has performed as, as a good unit. But overall, you know, De'Ara King was the biggest reason why Miami was able to will the way to a victory against Appalachian State. 
But at the end of the day, Derrick King hasn't really played all that well. He hasn't played as good as what he did last year because last year he was on absolute fire. And this is a big game for Miami because after this game, you play Central Connecticut and then you start conference play. You open against West Virginia. Then the game after that, you have to play the University of North Carolina, which is the game that everybody's waiting to see because that's the game that ultimately decides the Coastal. So for Michigan... This could be a key defining game for Michigan or one of them that they're going to have this season because if Michigan State wins this game, then you start out 3-0. and You're going to have a lot of momentum as you enter your way into conference play. And to think that Michigan State will be 3-0, and that will make Michigan State Spartans fans like go off the roof, man. So... Michigan State has a really solid offense. I mean, they're balanced. They have a really good quarterback wide receiver duo with Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed. You have a really good rush attack. They have two really good running backs, and they have a really good off the line that's really physical, and they're maulers. And when you look at that Miami Hurricanes defense... Their linebackers haven't really been all that great because I always see everybody calling out the linebackers. So Miami's run defense still hasn't improved all that much. So don't be surprised if you see Michigan State come in this game and they run for almost 200 yards against this Miami Hurricanes defense. I would not be surprised. And if that does happen as a Hurricanes fan, that's going to be a big area of concern because then they could dictate how this game goes. If Miami's offense continues to struggle... They're not going to have a lot of opportunities to get on the field. You're going to keep that defense on the field. If they win the time, possess, the time of possession battle, that doesn't really vote well in the favor of Miami. And also for Red Lashley, will him and De'Ara King be more efficient on offense? Like this offense hasn't really been that efficient. They were 5 of 16 on third down last week against Appalachian State. Shouldn't really be any excuses for that because Miami should be a more talented team offensively than what Appalachian State was on defense. I'm not really trying to buy that nonsense. Somebody tried to tell me Appalachian State is one of the better G5 programs and I understand that and I do agree with that but at the end of the day Miami shouldn't be struggling on third down against Appalachian State. They were 5 Five or 16 so there has to be some more there has to be more efficiency on offense and also can Miami generate more big plays downfield I've really haven't seen a lot of big plays from Miami this year on offense you know last year they were more big plays downfield but you know I expected more big plays and I haven't really seen that so far this year. And I'm kind of surprised because Miami has improved the wide receiver position. You got Charleston Rambo at the transfer portal. You still have Mike Harley there. You have good depth and a lot of talent at wide receiver. So there's really no excuses for why Miami has struggled to generate those big plays downfield. So the team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm taking Michigan State to win. I think Michigan State wins this game 31-27. And, you know... I just think Michigan State is going to be able to win this game because, first of all, they're going to be able to run the football effectively. I don't think Miami is going to be able to stop the run. They haven't really been able to stop the run since last year when North Carolina damn near ran for 1,000 yards on them. Haven't really seen improvement there. Um, I think Mel Tucker is going to have this Michigan State team more prepared and better coached than what Manny Diaz is going to have this Miami Hurricanes team. So I really think that Michigan State is going to be able to win this game. And... This shouldn't really be an upset. 
a lot of people are going to view it as an upset, but if Michigan State wins this game, you know, like, I'm not going to be surprised. I wouldn't consider it an upset, and I'm really surprised that Miami is a six-and-a-half point favorite to win this game because if I was making the odds, I probably would have Miami as a one-point favorite or, hell, probably have Michigan State as a one-point favorite because Michigan State has been playing some really good football, and Miami hasn't really been playing all that great. They're just squeaking by, and I noticed the first couple of games this season, you know, people are still a little bit rusty and whatnot. But at the end of the day, man, I just don't think that Miami's going to be able to get it done despite playing at home. I'm going to take Michigan State with the upset. So you guys let me know who you guys have winning this game down in the comment section down below. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you go ahead, leave a five-star review. Make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, JT Sports. And make sure that you follow me on my social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter is both, at JT Sports underscore. And I will see you guys next time.